And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. These words from the lectionary text that Mary just read appear in the well-known prayer that Jesus offers at the end of the farewell meal in John's Gospel. They are spoken on behalf of the first disciples, and then they are graciously extended to us. I ask not only on their behalf, Jesus goes on to pray, but on behalf of all those who will believe in me through their word, that they too may be one. This is an intimate prayer and an intimate description of who we are to be, one with God in Christ. It's in this oneness that eternal life is found. According to the New Interpreter Study Bible in John's Gospel, eternal life is not a gift of immortality or a future life in heaven, but rather a life shaped by the knowledge of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. Listen to that again. Eternal life is not a gift of immortality or a future life in heaven, but rather a life shaped by the knowledge of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus prays for. That's what Jesus models. His life is an example of what it means to live in close relationship with God, so much so that he says, I and the Father are one. That level of intimacy is meant for us too, that we may be one, branches of the vine, connected to the source. Eternal life is a metaphor for living now in the unending presence of God. It's not a relationship with time. It's a relationship with God that is now and forevermore. Consider how that might inform our understanding of the interaction between Jesus and the rich young man in Matthew's gospel. You know the story. The young man approaches Jesus and asks, Teacher, what good deeds must I do to have eternal life? I've kept all the commandments. What do I lack? Jesus responds by saying, If you wish to be perfect, which is like saying, If you wish to share God's life, if you wish to share God's life, then go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor and come and follow me. The eternal life that the young man sought was not some future reality. It was right there. Instead, the young man wanted to make a deal. What good deed must I do, he wanted to know. But the gospel, God's unfailing love and mercy, isn't contractual. It's not a transaction. It's a relationship. Jesus, in so many words, tells the young man that the eternal life he seeks isn't a reward, but a gift. Still, it's a gift refused again and again. In this case, the young man, in the case of the young man, his things kept getting in the way. His attachments to his possessions prevented him from seeing what was right before his eyes. There's a story told in another tradition about a disciple who goes to the Holy One and asks, Where shall I find eternal life? Here, the Holy One says. What do you mean here? The disciple asks. 
is happening right now, the Holy One said. Then why don't I experience it? Because you don't look, the Holy One said. What should I look for? Nothing, the Holy One said. Just look. At what? Anything your eyes alight upon, the Holy One said. Must I look in a special way? No, the Holy One said. The ordinary way will do. But don't I always look in the ordinary way? No, the Holy One said, you don't. Why ever not, the disciple demanded. Because to look, you must be here, the Holy One said. You're mostly somewhere else. The rich young man was mostly somewhere else, and Jesus knew it. His care and concern for his things blinded him to the moment. He couldn't see the significance of his being in the presence of Jesus right then and there. The relationship he most wanted was right in front of him. But instead of relishing in that and being converted by that, he wanted to know what to do to have eternal life. He couldn't see that he already had it in the company of Jesus. He already had it in the Word made flesh, God incarnate, right before him. How often do we miss the living Christ right in front of us? Pretty often, I would say, because we are preoccupied with too many other things. We're worried about tomorrow, or we're rehashing yesterday, or we're working too hard to get what we want, or we're too busy taking care of what we already have, or we're consumed by measuring ourselves against everyone else. We're all too eager to deal transactionally with the world rather than relationally with God and with one another. As a result, we fail at love. We fail at giving it. We fail at receiving it. Apparently, the rich young man couldn't let go of the things that kept him from recognizing what was freely his already and of far greater value than anything he owned. The original disciples, those gathered with Jesus for that farewell meal, the ones he was praying for, were able to do what it appears the rich young man couldn't. They left their things behind and they followed Jesus. In his presence, they experienced fullness of life. And that's what it's all about. It doesn't mean that life will be easy. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't still work for the redistribution of the rich man's wealth. We should and we must. It does mean that life matters now for all of us and that its meaning is found in intimate relationship with God. Jesus prays that we will know that and trust it, and that we will help others experience it too. We will help others experience the unending presence of God in each and every moment. So may it be. Amen.